Terrible Books with Kate. Doo-doo. Hi, I'm Laurel Woods. I'm Caitlin Wilson. And you're listening to Terrible Books with Kate. This is a podcast where I find my dear friend Caitlin an unpleasant book to read. And then I tell Laurel about it. It's a good deal for one of us. <laughs> it could be a good deal for both of us. Yeah, I mean, depending on the book, I guess. Depending. We'll see. We'll get to whether or not this book was uh, a good deal for you. <laughs> so we talked about it when Laurel gave me this book. Um, so let's listen to that. Let's yeah. listen to the segment where Laurel introduced the book to me. Yeah, let's jump back into our way back machine. This morning we are going to talk about this new book that I have for Caitlin. I'm super excited to give it to her. It is called... Cat in the Dark by Shirley Rousseau Murphy. It is a Joe Gray mystery. Joe Gray. He sounds like a ghost. Is it a ghost? Uh, no, it's a cat. Oh my gosh, it's a cat. So our mutual friend Jess loaned this book to me. Um, and it looks like it is about a, a cat who is a detective. Um, and I'm just going to read the back cover to you. So uh, first of all, Excellent reading, says Armchair Detective. So Wait, pause. Yeah. Is Armchair Detective a person or is that It looks like, like a, it's a like it's, an organization. Okay, okay. Like it's like how the New York Times calls things superb or something like that. Oh gotcha. Okay. So it's not a person. No, no, no. no okay. No, no. It's like, like a superhero. I don't know if it's like a magazine or a newspaper or a blog, but it is an entity, not an individual. Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, okay, so it starts with a little, I'm a cat, said Dulcie. Of course, I worry, Joe. What if the cops set up a stakeout? What if they witness a cat opening a skylight and masterminding a robbery? The tabloids will love it. Even every nut in the country will read about the trained burglar cat, or heaven forbid, the talking cat. <laughs> Describe my face right now. It It looks like you just ate something really disgusting and you look betrayed that i fed it to you that's how it feels um so this is the description of the plot so there's a bad new cat and sleepy little melena point i should i should stop and say i had i had just read the back of this book to me after i had read it and on my own a few times i still don't quite understand grammatically or I don't, I just, my my mind isn't absorbing the information, which might have to do with like the cold that I have right now, but okay. I, I'm just, I'm just for, I'm warning you. Yeah. Okay. So there's a bad new cat in sleepy little Milena Point, a renegade Tom with a penchant for robbery, a scorn for his fellow felines and a disdain for human laws. And he's masterminding a crime spree that's quickly escalating towards murder most foul. Dulce and Go Joe Gray both know the score. They've seen Azrael in action, but how can they expose the criminal without letting ordinary, untrustworthy humans in on the secret that certain select cats can think and talk? Cats like them. Dot, dot, dot. Delightful library journal. Also, entity, not individual, I think. Pause. Yeah. Joe Gray is a also a cat? Yeah, they're both cats. Two cats. So like on the cover okay. here, there's like oh. a, a, what is that? Is that called Tabby. No, Tabby is more gray. That's, I would call that an orange creamsicle cat. Okay, yeah. So orange, I'm sure that's the official term. Orange <laughs> creamsicle cat, and then there's like a black cat with like a little white whiskery thing, and they're standing on top of um, a, a newspaper that says murder on it, um, and that's all that you can read from the newspaper is just the headline that says murder. 
Okay, so I thought when you were reading that that Joe Gray was a person. No, no, they're and both that cats. Dulce was okay because I thought Dulce was having to like work in tandem with Joe Gray, a cat and human partner. Yeah, but I think this will be more interesting. Here are things I am looking forward to about reading this book. Okay. Because as we know from Laurel describing my face earlier, there are some things I am definitely not looking forward to. Number one, the writing. But what I am looking forward to is finding out how do these cats go about communicating the clues they find to humans if they're trying to protect the secret of talking and thinking cats. Oh, yeah. So like, do they just have to like plant newspapers strategically on a detective's desk Mm. or like... I don't know. I, I hope we'll find out. I hope they'll tell us the mechanics when we get into the book. So tell me all about it. All I know is that it's cat detectives trying to solve a murder. Before we start with that, I want to say we tried to describe the cats on the front, and you actually accur- did accurately name this cat. She is a tabby cat. Oh, good. Okay. I called her a creamsicle cat. That's not a real kind of cat. <laughs> <laughs> but you mean you mean like the brand name for a kind of ice cream is not also an official name for a cat? It should be. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I was in charge of cat naming, that's it's what like it would product be placement in like the American. What's the what's the equivalent of like cat association for like kennel association? You I know? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know though. There must be one. Yeah. Cat shows are a thing. Right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, neither of us are cat people, so exactly. it's impossible to say. Yeah. She. So neither of us being cat people, a lot of this in this book, I was like, is this is this real? Like, she would go into really detailed blow by blow descriptions of cats fighting each other. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I don't like. Maybe you've she, never seen a cat fight. I I don't think that I have, and maybe she's including it for the benefit of people like me who have never seen cats fighting each other and so I like I guess I'm grateful but also like I don't care that much and it was it was just it seemed really needlessly intense it felt like she tried to imbue a lot of drama Uh into the cat conflict because the premise itself isn't that dramatic so let me just let's let's talk about that because these these are two cats that can think and talk like like humans like, like out loud out loud okay and why how that's never explained okay and towards the end of the book it kind of like I think this is in a series and I think oh. it's in the middle of a series so it might be explained in the previous ones oh but towards the end of the book it just says the cats are like reminiscing on how they receive their abilities and it just says that they just kind of came into it one day, like woke up being able to talk. So they weren't born that way. Uh-huh. Sometime during these cats' lives, they woke up being able to speak human language and understand human emotions <laughs> and talk to humans. Okay. Are they owned by anyone? They are. And so that, so we talked about that last time too, about, I was like, how are they going to like convey their clues? Cause they're like ostensibly cat detectives. They're mm-hmm. like solving human crimes. But how are they? They can't arrest someone. They're cats. If they figure the clues out, what are they gonna do? But um, they they do they do like a kittenson's arrest. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, <laughs> they're owned by people who are sympathetic to the like to the cat 
the talking cat plight, okay. which I guess not everyone is. And that was something that was that made me roll my eyes, that that was some of the drama that she tried to inject, that it was like, if anyone found out about these talking cats, it would be horrific. But she wouldn't say why it would be horrific. Like, I don't know. What would you think if you met a talking cat? Would I you mean, be chill with it? I would think that, like, someone actually, acts, like, like dosed me or something. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. So... I don't know. Like she's saying she's trying to make it be like if anyone finds out about these cats, everything will change. And oh. they'll like like they'll get witch hunted or something. Okay. And that's a lot of the drama in the book, which I'm like I don't think it'd be that big of a deal. Right. But it's maybe because I'm not taking this book very seriously. And so if it actually happened in real life, I might be like, Oh yeah, that's really intense. But I don't know. That was a little unbelievable for me that I thought, oh, these cats are so worried about someone finding out their secret. But their owners do know that they can talk. They they talk with their owners. And um, so who are the like, who are the owners like characters so, or whatever? Yeah. Um, the girl cat, Dulcie, is owned by a lady named Wilma. She works at the library. Perfect. Um, the boy cat, Joe Gray, is owned by a guy named Clyde. They have a really weird relationship. There's a lot of like, like Joe Gray the cat like mouthing off to Clyde, <laughs> and they're like <laughs> verbally sparring. And I'm, <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and uh, and Joe Gray's like he's like really sassy to his owner Clyde, and Clyde's like, "Don't give me that lip. You're gonna get found out by the sheriff. He's already suspicious." <laughs> Okay, cool. <laughs> Joe Gray just doesn't care and he just does what he wants. And then Clyde is also like disdainful or disapproving of Joe Gray and Dulcie going out to hunt. Like whenever they come in from hunting, Joe uh-huh. Gray like jumps, jumps, up, jumps up on the bed and then Clyde gets all like huffy at him for coming in with blood on his whiskers or something. And then he's oh. like, you have a moral imperative like, you can talk and think you shouldn't be hunting. And okay. Joe Gray argues against that. <laughs> they spend a lot of time on this argument. Like, but arguing it's not like- necessary to, like, the plot of the book. It's just, like, maybe character development between the two friends. Or is it, like, we need to argue this moral message of, like, cats should be vegetarians? I, yeah, I don't know. It's never clear to me, and I don't. I don't think cats should be vegetarian. I think the whole point is that the the guy is saying, since you are like a human, you have more responsibility than just to mindlessly hunt creatures oh. that can't. Like they maybe they like, have an unfair I, advantage. Maybe is what he's trying to say. Okay, because like I feed you your fancy feast. Yeah. You so what you going killing squirrels for? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I see. They spent and yeah, it's not necessary to the plot. Okay. These are these are just like little tidbits, tidbits to get you into the like the vibe. Yeah, the personality of Joe Gray and Dulcie. They're dating, by the way. Okay, these two cats. Um, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Does, is there any cat action? Yeah, but it's hard to tell because obviously they're cats, so it's different than human action so you're reading along and you're like i think i just read about 
cat foreplay. She's very delicate. She doesn't go into cat sex. Gross. <laughs> but as you're reading, I'm like, I think, I think that's where she's trying to go with this. Is this is this is like an amorous time right now? I, I don't want to read about that. It's really weird. <laughs> I don't get it. And maybe she's a cat lady. Maybe she knows a lot about cats. What's this gal's name? Shirley Russo Murphy. Maybe Shirley Russo Murphy owns cats and like... It's like a cat psychologist. cat voyeur, maybe. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) Because I don't don't know. I don't know. Cat physiology? I don't know. She's... It's interesting. She... um, But yeah, okay, so Dulcie and and Joe Gray are dating each other, and and I think because this is the second or third, I think it's maybe the third in a series, Mm -hmm. there's some characters that uh, come in, and I think they've already been previously introduced, so I think the author thinks, we already know these guys, she doesn't spend a lot of time on it. So, from the get-go, it's confusing, you don't know who connects with whom, and... Uh, and it's hard to get to in the book because she switches between different viewpoints as well. Yeah. One chapter will be from one cat's perspective. The next will be from her owners. The next will be from the other owner. And then the boy owner Clyde is dating a gal who doesn't know about the cats. Okay. So she's out of the loop about the talking cats thing, but she also has a point of like chapters are from her perspective. There's maybe eight different perspectives that this book is cycling through. It's like, it's a lot. That's like George R. R. Martin level. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But there's not really enough room. George R. R. Martin has a, a broad scope to go through to right. switch between those perspectives. This book is like 300 pages long and you're like, there's there's not enough time for us to try and get used to a new perspective every chapter. Let's just stick to one or two maybe. Um, so the cats, the initial plot is that you we start out the book. Dulcie, the tabby, is the official library cat of this small village. Apparently, official library cats are a thing. They spend a lot of time telling you that in this book. Okay. They give, like, examples of different cities that have library cats and how successful a program it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, Which... That's cute. I mean, I'm pro-library cat. Yeah, I mean, I went into a bookstore in Capitol Hill the other day, and they had four cats that are just, like, resident cats in this bookstore, and you could just pet them while you were looking at books. So it is a – I mean, it's true. It's a thing. This is based on a true story. Yeah, but I just – it's – she's so vehement about it Uh that I think people have maybe challenged her notion that it is a true thing, and this is her – this is her platform right now to tell people, library cats are a thing. Um, And that's one of the plot points. The initial plot point is that Dulcie's the library cat. There's a new head librarian in town, and she's trying to get Dulcie kicked out of the library. Okay. She thinks she carries disease, and she's ruining stuff, and the kids are going to get cat scratch fever. Is cat scratch fever a thing? I think it's a thing. It okay. sounds like a disease it, from the 1900s, though, like early it, 1900s. I don't know if it's a thing anymore, but I don't know enough about cats to know, so... Let's not speak to that point. Is it a positive thing or is it like a ne- is it a behavioral thing? Because like I'm like okay, well you can get certain kinds of fevers, or is it like Saturday night fever where they just like <laughs> go real crazy? What would happen if you get cat scratch fever? You- Saturday night fever is just dancing. What do you do if if you have cat scratch fever? You yeah. like get really excited about cleaning litter boxes <laughs> or something. <laughs> You'd be 
become a cat lady. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. You get cat scratch fever. That's how you become a cat lady. And then that challenges the librarian's kind of authority because she's like, hey, I don't need any less job security than I already have. <laughs> she's really, she's really mad. She's a really uptight lady. She's a county appointee. So she got elected to the job. So she doesn't really care about the library. Um, oh, so it's all about politics for her. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Whatever. It seems like she's going like very, uh, like she's going against the public interest as an elected official. If yeah. she's like, if it's a popular program and she's against a popular program. Yeah. Well, they, the whole book, they're collecting signatures from everybody to keep the library cat. And it's a real point of contention. Ah. I think this is maybe meant to show how small of a town it is. That okay. this is like a big deal. This the is petition the for deal. the library cat is a really big deal. Okay. It starts out. That's what we start out with. The second plot point that we come to is that Dulcie and Joe Gray have solved some crimes before and see some more crimes being perpetrated. They see a guy come into town and with another talking cat, which they're, they're excited about initially because they thought they were the only talking cats left. Uh-huh. And so they're excited. Oh, there's someone else that's like them. But then they don't. But then it turns out that cat's really mean. And he's like, they're very descriptive about this cat. They call him the devil personified um oh he says he says it in spanish once el gato diablo <laughs> um, wait are either of the cats like have like are they latino cats i don't think so no okay they, they, it takes place in california so maybe they picked up on some spanish uh-huh. living on the coast great El, El Gato Diablo. So okay, yeah, yep. Um, they're very descriptive about this cat. Initially, they're excited. Turns out they don't like him. He's mm-hmm. a dark cat with a dark energy, and he's a criminal. He'll glow. He'll go up onto the roof of stores in town and open the skylight because he's more dexterous than a normal cat and okay. can think about what he's doing. Opens the skylight, drops down, and opens the stores from within. And then his human partner is on the outside and comes in and robs the stores. So that's the second plot point is there's a string of robberies that they're trying to figure out. Oh. As these new plot points come up, Shirley Russo Murphy kind of abandons them. Like, we start out and we think that the really intense conflict is going to be the library cat conflict. Uh Uh-huh. But then once the robberies are introduced... That kind of falls by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And then... Well, robbery is arguably more important. I mean, yeah. But she spends so much time on it initially that it's it's a little jarring. You're uh-huh. like, wait a minute. What happened to that other thing? But I was oh, really it's just not a thing anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know? She, well, she gets you invested. She spends the time <laughs> investing you in these things. And you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to care about in this book. And then you just like, never mention again until the last chapter where she's like very hastily tying things up. Whatever. So... The robberies are happening. The cats confront this new cat, El Gato Diablo. Does the El Gato Diablo like have a name? His name is Azrael. A Z R A E. Very biblical. Yeah. Something about the angel of death. Uh huh. Yeah. Who gave him that name? Himself? Maybe. He's from the jungle. So they call him a jungle cat a lot. And they said that's where his dark energy comes from, is jungling that's- around. That's, that seems weird. Yeah. That's a that's a weird that's a stretch to make. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, 
he comes to these two other cats and they say, hey, bro, we saw you breaking in with your human partner. You better knock it off. Uh-huh. And, of course, the two boy cats fight. The two tom cats fight because they're, like, machoing around for the lady cat. <laughs> you can't you can't just stick out your tongue in disgust and then do it, like, three <laughs> times and expect that to register <laughs> on a podcast. Uh, how could I make a noise that equates me sticking out my tongue in disgust? Blech. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Blech. I don't care about cat romance. I don't care about tomcats fighting each other for Dulcie's interest. Dulcie is, she's a lady. Let her choose her own boyfriend. Maybe like that's part of the story. Like, is that like, hey guys, you know, the more you know, right? Like, yeah. Neuter and spit your cats. (laughs) (laughs) Moral of this whole book. (laughs) Um, While they're, so when he comes to them, they have this little tussle over Dulcie but then they calm down and then they have a conversation and Osrael talks to them and says I sense death and Joe Gray is like Psh, whatever you're not a prophet you don't know anything but Dulcie is impressed by this dark cat's energy and she feels like a premonition come over her and she's like oh. so she's scared of him for the rest of the book and actually he did prophesy something what did he prophesy some murders Murder <gasps> to the book. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, that's because I was like, you keep on saying burglaries, but the the jacket of the book implies that there is a murder. Yeah. So she spends a lot of time setting up the burglaries and you're invested in that. And then wait a minute, some people are dead. Oh my gosh. And the rest of the book deals with that. And it's not like cats dying. It's no, humans. It's humans dying. Oh my gosh. Um and the cats get through their through their connections to their owners, the one owner Clyde, he's fixing up some, some apartment buildings he bought a block of apartments and is renovating them to rent out Mm -hmm. and some of the murder action happens there so the cats are able to have access to those apartment buildings because Clyde owns them so they go in they see things happen that the humans aren't able to see happen they call in tips to the sheriff which has happened before in the previous book so the sheriff is suspicious he knows the voice of the lady who's giving (gasps) anonymous tips oh my god it's always the same lady and he has suspicions about the cat but he's too pragmatic to go further Mm. um yeah but the owners are always telling the cats hey you gotta cool it with these tips to the sheriff he's gonna catch on to you catch (laughs) 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 so the murder so the murders happen and it's 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 involved everyone in the village is connected to each other and i think that's why i told you it was confusing because there were differing points of view Mm -hmm. and the two people that are murdered are the niece and nephew or the niece and her husband of one of the ladies. That's one of the friends of the lady owner. It's just, it's too convoluted of, of a line. Right. But it ends up, these two people are murdered as part of a, there was like an investment fraud. There's a man in town Mm -hmm. who is new in town, is in, is an investor and is kind of, um, swindling people as we find out initially we think oh what a cool dude he's really rich he's new in town but then it turns out he's actually swindling swindling people in town out of their money and he had already played this game back in georgia where the niece lived so the niece when the the aunt called her niece and was like there's this great new investor in my town he's making me all this money with all this stock the niece gets suspicious from the description and is like wait a minute i think that's the guy that swindled us out of our money in georgia and so they're like we're gonna come visit you but they don't tell the aunt why they don't want a spook or something. I don't know. But um, 
But also in Georgia, I guess it had been a two-man job back there. And mm-hmm. one of the men had gotten arrested and was in jail still in Georgia. And this other guy had gotten off scot-free and fled to California. So while still in Georgia, the niece and her husband contact the guy in jail there and said, hey, we found out where your partner is. Do you want to get revenge? And the guy does. What? So these three guys are working together. They all come out to California to this little tiny village. And uh, everything gets convoluted. Wait, 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 wait. Back yeah. up. Yeah. How did they get the dude out of jail? I think his time came up. Oh, okay. It wasn't that they went and said, hey, come, like, come. It had been a sufficient amount of time uh-huh. that he was out of jail already. They found him and bring him with him. But he comes and he applies for a job. So he actually dresses as a lady when he's in town. This is his disguise. Oh, no. He gets out of jail, comes to California, dresses as a lady, applies for a job in the cleaning service that cleans this block of apartments so he can get access to the investor's account so he can get in there, <laughs> mess stuff up, maybe get proof or something. Um, so he, like, misses Doubtfire to, like, the situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the cats find it out because of their incredible sense of smell. They're like, wait a minute. This man smells the same as the cleaning lady. Oh, my gosh. They're the same person. Oh, my gosh. And that's, that's the tip that they call into the sheriff. Do they phrase it like that? Like, this person smells the same or do they no. couch it in a more like human they couch it in a more human way, way. yeah okay yeah. they just tell the sheriff hey you need to check this out because they're the same person um so the niece and her husband that died they actually were killed by the investment banker that's in town mm-hmm. and because he caught on to what was happening. He caught on to the conspiracy between the between these three. Uh-huh. So he goes, kills the niece and um, her husband and goes back to his house to try and catch his old partner because he's caught on to it. Uh-huh. And he does catch his old partner, but a conflict ensues and the partner kills him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So there's three people dead. Oh, my gosh. And the partner escapes in his disguise as a lady. Wait, is the partner the dude that got broken out of jail? Mm-hmm. Or like yeah. who yeah. is out of jail? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, his name is Troy Hoke, but he goes by Pearl Ann Jameson when he's dressing up as a lady in this town. Okay. And he, he kills the guy, escapes, and kidnaps the aunt um, because she walked in she was also part of the cleaning service and she walked in while he was stabbing oh my gosh his old partner so she saw it happen so he sees her kidnaps her drives her up the coast to i don't remember san francisco or something um and so they're looking for her for a few days they finally find her she has been banged on the head and can't remember but slowly her memory comes back so this is a really intense sequence of events right. yeah, yeah you wow get, you get to the murder part of it and you're like wow this is what is what is even happening and it's made even more confusing because you're switching back and forth between everybody's different perspectives mm-hmm. um and then at this point i'm i'm looking at how much i have left in the book uh-huh. and it's maybe like a centimeter or less of of, of pages uh-huh. and i'm thinking wait a minute this is the very how are they going to wrap this up and she does like a time jump for her last chapter. What? You like end on a cliffhanger and then you get to the last chapter and it's like two months in the future. This guy has been, has fled to Seattle and been caught in Seattle. The murderer slash 
guy who got broke out of jail. Uh huh. He's been caught. He's been put away. The funeral has happened for the other people. Uh-huh. It, it's just like, well, what happened to the aunt? She rec- she made a full recovery. But like, how did she get rescued? Um, they found her. She, it, the guy who kidnapped her crashed her car into a lamppost and then left her there in the cars to make it look like she had a car crash oh. and up in San Francisco. And so they put her in the hospital. Oh, so she gets banged on the head. Yeah. And she gets banged on the head and it's in the hospital that she's slowly recovering. It's not yes. like he kidnapped her, banged her on the head. She forgot everything. And then under his care or whatever. No, is he abandoned her. Okay. And she got to a hospital. Okay. And they got to, they got to her. And so what's her the cliffhanger? Home. Like she's in the car. Um, the cliffhanger. Well, let's see. Let's open it up and see if we can remind, remember what the cliffhanger is. Oh, the cliffhanger is that no because when we get to the cliffhanger part right before the last chapter she's already back from the hospital they found oh. her she's already back from the hospital she doesn't have her memory yet oh okay so that's what it is is that they're like what happened to you and she doesn't know and we don't know so they're trying to okay. piece it together and part of the cliffhanger too is that the um the cat the devil cat and his owner are um trying to escape okay back to panama before anybody finds out about their robberies oh okay we have now at this point forgotten about because we've been tied up in this murder story so azrael and his robber person Mm -hmm. have nothing to do with the murders they don't have it no they don't have anything to do with the murders okay they do have they're tied in to the people like the aunt that got hit on the head Uh uh-huh oh azrael's owner is her brother their brother and sister Oh, so bad things do happen to bad people. Yeah. Or something. Oh, yeah, actually, because, yeah, it's it's his daughter. So the aunt. Oh, oh. His so daughter the... that dies. The niece is actually this guy's daughter. Oh, that's sad. No, it is sad. And he gets drunk and spends the next. He, like, somehow finds a room in a whiskey warehouse. They're like, we'll rent you this room. You can stay here if you don't drink <laughs> the whiskey. But then he just drinks all the whiskey. <laughs> and so he's just, he's drunk for the last bit of the book. Uh-huh. Um. And so that's what's happening right before this last chapter is they're like, Aww. the the two cats are threatening them. You better get out of town and not hurt anybody else here. Okay. With your robberies, which we now, which we now know hasn't actually really hurt anyone. That's not even been solved. It's out of the sheriff's mind because the murders intervened. And right. Not, the murders and the robberies aren't connected. The people so, are connected, but the people the are connected, act- but the acts are not. Okay. Okay. So that's the last, that's the last chapter is them just kind of like recounting the last couple months of when Mavity, the aunt, her, her name is Mavity, has recovered, recovered all her memories. And then in her recovering her memories, they've been able to go catch that guy that uh-huh. murdered everybody. Um, and f- figure stuff out. Oh, the library petition for the library cat. Yeah. What happened? That ends up winning. Oh, great. <laughs> Woohoo. Dulcie can stay in the library. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. On top of all this tragedy, at least she's not homeless. Do you want to know why, though? Listen why? To this. Yeah, yeah. When the two people get murdered, mm-hmm. Dora and Ralph, the niece and her husband, mm-hmm. they get murdered right outside the library, and they're in the garden, in front of the window to the the kids section of the library. Oh. Dulcie and Joe Gray discover them 
Oh. And Dulcie's all set to go put in a tip to the cops and say, hey, these people are murdered here. Joe Gray holds her back and says, story time for the kids is going to start in a couple minutes. And if the kids come in and see dead bodies outside their window, then this head librarian, and that happens under her watch. Oh, my gosh. What are the people of the town going to think? So Joe Gray, like, manipulates Dulcie into letting the kids come in the library and see two dead bodies outside of their window. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And... That and that's what happens. the The head librarian she gets fired because of that. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's how that's solved. Really, that is way more evil than assisting a human in robbery. In ro- I know. I know. At that point, I was like, "Wait a minute, Shirley Russo Murphy, where are you going with this?" I think her whole thing is she's trying to paint Joe as like a bad boy, like one of the old school like detectives who maybe does questionable things. Right. But he's always on the side of justice. He's like chaotic good. Right. And I'm like, okay, cool. And Azrael is like what neutral evil or something? Yeah. Okay. What's Dulce? An airhead. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's sexist. Well, it's not me. It's Shirley Russo Murphy. Wait, I don't know. I keep on waiting for you to make like a Shirley, like airplane style, like pun, and you just keep not making it, and it's just really annoying me. (laughs) You make it. (laughs) No, this Dulce, the Dulce cat. I think that this author does play into a lot of those like sexist types uh-huh. because this of, like film noir or whatever. Yeah. And this Dulcie cat, she spends a lot of her time like reveling in human luxuries. She hangs around the fancy restaurants in town to like steal tidbits of the, of the really fancy meals. She goes into the fanciest stores and just like takes naps on cashmere sweaters. And that's what she's into. Fancy food and fancy clothes. Fancy feast. And yeah. intuition, which is another thing where I'm like, okay, Joe Gray is like morally gray. Uh-huh. Dulce is like the intuitive one of the pair as uh. the woman and is like sensing things that Joe Gray doesn't sense. And so... Like, is that why she was more receptive to like the prophecy from Azrael? Yeah. Wait, so is Azrael a regularly prophetic cat or is he just like, was that a con? I think that I, I don't know. What did he, I don't know. Oh, he prophesied the murders. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he's not related to the murders at no. all. Like we're no. really, like we're hundred percent on yeah, that. hundred percent. He didn't but participate he's just like, in the murders. He's he a didn't. spiritual cat. I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He just foresaw murder, told Dulcie and Joe Gray about it. Joe Gray laughed it off, but Dulcie was like, we should listen to him. And Did they, like, make that connection that, like, oh, the prophecy is fulfilled? Not like, really. once they found the two? Okay. No. We're leaving that to the humans. Yeah. 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 Surely the humans will figure that out. Um, yeah. So it was... <laughs> it was interesting. Okay. It wasn't actually super bad it was like which I, is exactly what you said at the beginning you were like this was so bad <laughs> once i got into it i guess once i forced myself to sit down and read it and stop avoiding it uh-huh. cause, um when i got to the murder part that was like that was convolute enough that it was like okay what is this actually how is it going to get solved mm-hmm. where i scoffed was how disconnected each plot seemed from the next where uh-huh. i was like 
this author isn't really oh whoops isn't really tying them together seamlessly uh-huh. that was frustrating and also her descriptions of things were very florid she used a lot of metaphors that were <laughs> I love that <laughs> that were really intense and and took you out of it a little bit because you're like yeah. wait a minute why are we all of a sudden talking about like like gleaming sunsets or yeah. rich arrays of food that that's not a metaphor well, I don't I feel like the metaphors are like the bread and butter of terrible writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she spends a lot of time floridly describing like the rich array of food. When they go when they are following someone to oh, to eavesdrop on their conversation in the fancy restaurant, there's a lot of description of how fancy it is and and it takes you out of it because you're like I just want to find out what these cats are going to overhear at this conversation but instead I have to sit through through three pages of describing a succulent meal and everyone's well coiffed hair you don't like that though I love descriptions of really book in books yeah like I read this one recently and it was like a little bit too like literary fiction for me Mm -hmm. like what was it called I don't know it's about this Russian dude who's like a prince and he like goes into a hotel and like he has to stay in the hotel and it's like it watches like the revolution pass in like Russia as he's like this aristocratic dude or whatever and there's like a lot of descriptions of food in that I love descriptions of foods in books okay but not your not your style or just like I would have to try it in maybe a different genre yeah you're like there was a murder yeah, mostly what took, yeah, that's what, it was taking me out of it, was that I was like, I guess I would like to hear about this food at a different juncture, but at this point, I just want to find out what's happening with this mystery. Uh-huh. I don't want to spend time trying to read about the food. Uh-huh. I just want to find out what their informant knows. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. Okay. Cool. Plus, I feel like if you're going to read about really lavish descriptions of food, you have to be have eaten beforehand or else you'll just get too hungry. Was that happening to you? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were eating a really delicious, um, oh, what's it called? You tap it with a spoon and you break the crust and then you eat it. The dessert that's like caramelized on the top. Oh. Creme brulee. They oh, were eating a really delicious yeah. creme brulee. Yum. That she described really well, actually. Actually, you know what? Yeah. Good one. Good one, Shirley. Um, I really wanted to eat that creme brulee. <laughs> Do cats eat creme brulee? I think so. Oh, okay. I guess. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So that was this book. Um, I think that. Okay. So are you happy that you outsourced this book to me to read instead of you reading it yourself? From my description, what do you think? Okay. Yeah. So I think based on your description, I'm like, Am I glad that I didn't read it myself? I think I think I'm going to say yes, I'm glad I outsourced it but with a caveat. Okay. So, I think that if we were both to read the the series together, yeah. Then I feel like if I were to start from the beginning, because this is what I hate, right? You were like, I didn't realize it was the middle of the series. Yeah. Because um, there's no indication yeah. whatsoever on the book that this is part of a series. Mm-hmm. And like, I really hate some of the things that you described, right? So I hate starting in the middle of a series. Yeah. I need the context and I need like the world building that always comes with like the first book or whatever. Right. And two, I hate, I hate, hate, hate getting invested into a plot point and then it like 
going away and never coming back. Yeah. So I'm glad I outsourced this one to you. However, I'm glad you read it. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess that's the nature of I'm glad I outsourced it to you. I'm glad you had to read that, Caitlin. (laughs) Thank you so much. After I got into it, I didn't didn't loathe it as much as I thought I would. It's still a terrible book. I don't know that I would choose to read the rest of the series, even for the background that it would bring. All right. So noted. Not going to half-price books. Yeah. I'm picking up the rest of the series (laughs) for you. Sounds good. Do you think you want to, like, go forward with a particular genre? Like, what do you think of, like, animal-based mysteries? No, thank you. Okay. Here's the thing that I would like, kind of in the same vein. Have you seen those craft mysteries? There's, like, a knitting murder or, like, a quilting. There's, like, a bunch of different series that are about different kinds of crafts or, like, baking. There's one that's, like, a bakery shop. Okay, so crafts-based mysteries. Maybe not every time, but I think we we should try at least one of those. Okay. Yeah. Noted. I'm, I'm writing that down. I'll have to look at that yeah. in the future. But I think we should be done with uh, animal-based mysteries, at Sounds least for good. a while. Maybe someday we'll come back around, but this has been enough You're like, for no, a while. no, yeah. we're good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Cool. Well, I think that book all. didn't make you uh, catatonic. <laughs> and uh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have for this week. Thanks for joining us and talk to you again soon. See you later.